and we'll be looking at verse 15. Now, leading into Easter, we have been looking at the different miracles of Jesus Christ. And we have looked at how these miracles proved his deity and how they show how he relates to us. We have also looked at the eight purposes for <coughs> Jesus' miracles. What purposes did they, did they have? And today, what we are going to look at we're going to look at why God the Father sent his Son into the world. And to answer this question, all we have to do is go back to the beginning. Back to the Garden of Eden. Look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. It's written, I will put enmity between thee and the woman... And between thy seed and her seed, he shall break thine head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our most gracious and loving Father, Lord, as we come before you, just ask your blessings upon the reading of your word. And Lord, I just thank you and praise you for all the many blessings that you've given us. I pray, Lord, that you would be with us today as we worship. And just illuminate your word for us, Lord, and help us just to take what we learn today and help us to apply it into our daily walk. And again, Lord, I just thank you and praise you for the sacrifice that you made on the cross for us. And I thank you, Lord, for the, just the remembrance that can be had of that. And Lord, I just pray that you would just continue to just overshadow us today and help us just to remember that sacrifice. And Lord, I just pray again that you would just give me the words to say, hide me behind the cross and just bind down Satan and let him have no part of this service. If there's anyone here today that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, if there's anyone that needs to make any decision, I pray that you would speak to their hearts. Just continue to be with us and overshadow us with your love and watch care. We just ask this in your Son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, when we look at this verse, what had just happened? What had just happened? If you look back, you see the serpent had tempted Eve. She ate of the, the tree that the Lord had commanded not to eat of. Then she goes and gets Adam. Adam does the same thing. So you have the serpent tempting Eve, Eve succumbing to the temptation, and then Adam violating God's command. So what we see is the beginning of sin in the human race. And after the fall into sin, we see the serpent and then we see Adam and Eve standing before God and they are being punished for what had happened. Adam and Eve were punished for their sin and the serpent is actually, if you look, he is, being, he is being punished for allowing himself to be used by Satan. Because the serpent, this animal, had become possessed by Satan when, when Satan tempted Eve. So 
the punishment for the serpent, we see that it lost its legs and it had to slither around on the earth. And then for Adam, Adam was punished by having to now till the ground and it would not not produce the best things that the ground could offer. Also, thorns and thistles would, would arise to pretty much to hurt man. And he would have to work until the day he died. And then Eve was punished by being subject to her husband and also increased pain in childbearing. But they were both punished by being kicked out of the Garden of Eden. But what we see here in this verse is the last part of what God is telling the serpent. In the punishment for the serpent. Look again at what he says in verse 15. I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. Now right here we see something that seems directed solely at the serpent, the snake. I mean, if you think about it, there is enmity between humans and snakes. Who really wants to hold a snake? Who wants a snake as a pet? There are people that have snakes as pets, and I think those people are weird. <laughs> but but who, who really would want... A snake is a pet. There's enmity there. When we see a snake, we, you know, we, we shun them or we go the opposite way. Or when I see a snake in my backyard, I let it have territory. I don't want to go around the thing. So this seems directed at the snake itself. But then... Look at what it says here. He shall break thine head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. This doesn't seem directed at the snake. It seems directed at Satan, who had possessed the snake. Because at this time, if you look, Adam and Eve did not have children Yet God is saying that there will be a descendant of Eve who is male and who will crush the head of the serpent and be bruised in the process. And then all we have to do is turn to Isaiah 53 and we see the same thing being spoken about about Jesus Christ. That he would be wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. And through his stripes that he, he took, we would be healed. But he shall break thy head. Adam and Eve did not have children at this time, so this is directed at a future event. And that future event was the cross of Jesus Christ. So when Christ crushed Satan's head, 
What did he crush? He crushed Satan's power. The power of sin. And the power of death that Satan had in regards to humanity. That's what was crushed. That's what was broken. The power of sin and spiritual death. Yet in doing so, when Christ did that, Satan bruised him. He was beaten and nailed to the cross. So when we look at this verse, we can see, in a sense, why Jesus came, why God the Father sent Christ. He sent Jesus Christ to crush Satan and the power that Satan had to destroy sin and death and to release us from that bondage that we fell into when we succumbed to Satan's temptation. And think about this. Did we deserve this? Absolutely not. We didn't deserve God to send his son to die on the cross for us. We didn't deserve any of this. We did not deserve the mercy that God gave us. But out of his love, God sent Jesus Christ to give us this freedom from sin and death. Spiritual death. Because that is what Jesus does. He frees us from these things by what he did on the cross. And we see this in Christ's statement to Nicodemus. Look over at John chapter 3 real quick. at verses 16 through 18 very familiar passages of scripture but what we're going to do is we're going to dig into these just a little bit because I want to point some things out because in this statement that Christ makes to Nicodemus you also see why the father sent Jesus Christ so look at this for God so loveth the world that he hath given his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world, that he should condemn the world. Look at that. God did not send his Son into the world that he should condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth in him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of that only begotten Son of God. So the first thing we see is a statement concerning God's love. And it's like I've mentioned before. When you look at John 3.16, you see the entire gospel in this one verse. You see what God the Father did? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 
And then you see what humanity must do, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So you have the whole gospel wrapped up in one verse. Yet many people leave out verses 17 and 18. Verses 17 and 18 are just as important because verse 17 and 18 substantiate verse 16. And we see this by the use of the word for. It gives substantiation to the verse above it. And what he said is, as God sends his son into the world, out of love. And then that being in the world, mankind must believe on him to be saved. And then he substantiates that statement by saying he was not sent into the world to condemn the world. Why? Because when you look at verse 18, the world is already condemned. Condemnation has already been passed. That's why Christ didn't come to condemn the world. God already did it. And he did it way back in Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden. He condemned humanity. And what was that condemnation that he passed? That man would die because of sin. Spiritual death, eternity in hell, that was what was passed upon humanity in the Garden of Eden. We were already condemned. So God, out of his love, sent Jesus Christ to save us from that condemnation. Out of his love, he sent his son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. To have life. Why did he send his son? So that we could have life. Or as Christ says in another verse, that we may have life and have it more abundantly. to have life, and to be freed from the bondage of sin and death. And to do this, what must we do? Jesus tells us we must believe. Believe in him. Again, Christ came and died on the cross to crush Satan's head, the hold that Satan had on us, to crush that power of sin and death. And to free us from that. That's why Christ came. Because think about it. When Christ died on the cross, what did he do? He died in our place. The wage of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. He died in our place, suffering that death so that Satan and his power over us could be broken 
And all we must do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And again, notice, I want you to notice something, that we are the beneficiaries of freedom through Christ. Freedom from the power of sin. Freedom from the bondage of sin. And then as Paul points out in the book of Romans, freedom from the bondage of the law because of sin. We have freedom through Christ and not condemnation. God sent Jesus Christ to crush the head of Satan and to free us from the bondage of sin and death, not to condemn us. Why? Because, and this is where we're going to look a little bit more closely at this, we were condemned already. When Adam and Eve fell into sin, condemnation was passed upon us. We were already condemned. We were already condemned. The penalty, the wage of sin, is death. And we were already condemned because of it. And this is why the Bible tells us there's none good, no, not one. This is why the Bible tells us that our righteousness is like a filthy rag. This is why the Bible tells us, if you look over in Romans chapter 5 and verse 10, this is why the Bible tells us we are enemies of God. Don't sit there and say that God loves everyone and that no one is going to hell. Yes, God is love, but he's also just, and the Bible tells us because of condemnation, we are his enemies. And that is why he sent his son. Yes, he's love, but you cannot leave out his Justice. And in Genesis chapter 3, we see his justice being passed upon mankind because of sin. The Bible tells us that we are his enemies without Jesus Christ. Enemies of God and on our way to hell because we are already condemned without Christ. And this is why we need Christ. Because of condemnation, you can't be good enough. There's nothing, absolutely nothing you can do on your own to save yourself because you are already condemned to hell. Think about that. If you're lost and you've been sitting there deluding yourself saying all I have to do is this, this, and this and I'm fine, you're wrong. There's nothing you can do because you are already condemned to hell. Because Christ tells us that in John 3.18. He didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save it. 
And he didn't come to condemn the world because you're already condemned. John 3.16 is a great verse. But don't leave out 17 and 18. You can't leave it out because Christ is finishing his statement in those two verses. And this is why we need Christ. Why we can't be good enough or make things right or just stop doing this or that. It doesn't matter what we do. We're already condemned. We can't be good enough. We can't be holy enough on our own. This is why the Father sent the Son to save us from that condemnation. That's why he's sinning. Jesus frees us from this condemnation when he frees us from sin and the hold of death. When he crushes Satan's head on the cross, this is what happens. He frees us from sin. He frees us from the power of death and he frees us from this condemnation. To have this freedom, though, we must believe. That's what he tells us. We must believe on him. On the cross, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was beaten and killed for us. Yet through this, he frees us. And when we believe on him, we're no longer God's enemies. That's why Paul says once we believe on Christ, we can look at God the Father and call him Abba Father. We can say that he is our Father. We're no longer his enemies, but his children through Jesus Christ. So why did Christ come? So that we could have life and have it more abundantly. Why did Christ come? To free us from the power of sin. Why did Christ come? Because God loves us. He loves his creation. On the cross, Christ crushed Satan's head. He frees us from sin. He was bruised in the process and he came to do this out of his love for us. He loved us when we did not deserve his love. We were already condemned, enemies of God because of sin, yet Christ came, taking our place, taking our penalty, and dying for us out of his love. And you know, I could go on and on and on about why Christ came. But I'm going to leave you with this. Why did Christ come? Why did God the Father send his Son? One word. Love. Love for his creation. He loved us so much that he came here to die for us.
offering us salvation when we believe. He came out of love. Eternal, unfathomable love that a creator has for his creation. Love that he is still showing today through his son, Jesus Christ. Let's stand for prayer. Our most gracious and loving Father, Lord, as we come before you, just thank you for this day that you have given us. I thank you, Lord, for your word. And I thank you, Lord, for Jesus Christ and why you sent him and the love that you have shown us through him. And Lord, again, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, just pray that you would speak to their hearts. Just continue to be with us. Continue to overshadow us with your love and watch care. We just ask this in your son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen.